You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Interest rates have been on the rise all year and real estate sales have slowed down over the past three months. Is there a correlation? I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. My guest today has been helping clients for the last 20 years with mortgages and insurance. And she's here today to give us a little insight on this topic. Debbie Boyd is CEO of DLB Financial Services and also hosts a radio show on the topic for over a decade now called Money Strategies with Debbie. And we're honored to have her here today on The Real Wealth Show. So Debbie, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's talk mortgages. We know they're going up. You've been uh, helping people get loans for, what, 20 years now? Yes, ma'am. All right. So in your experience, when you've seen rates go up, did you see a slowdown in real estate? I did because there's a lot of people that buy a house like they buy a car. It's all about the payment. They're payment driven. And the car industry has helped us be that way. So when they find a house they like, and the payment is too high, whether it's because they have bad credit, their interest rates high, or just because rates are rising, their insurance is high, whatever it is, makes that payment higher than what they expect. They kind of just freeze, and then they go back to being a renter again. They don't want to make that switch over. They can't sometimes make that switch over. Okay, yeah. Then, then of course, that's what we're starting to see, at least here in California, definitely seeing a slowdown in sales, but not so much prices. Prices are still high. We're seeing price reductions in some areas where that's actually needed, where people were getting too greedy and just... Right. Running the price up. Yeah. Running the price up. Let's see if we can get it. And they can't. So they're starting to come back to what's normal. But what about uh, in... You're in Texas, right? I'm in Texas, but I do loans in several states. And what we see is first-time homebuyers, you know, a little bit about the psychology of the money. So first-time homebuyers are older than they've ever been. They're no longer 25-year-olds right out of college. They may be in their mid-30s, getting married later, having children later. Therefore, they're moving into houses later. They don't want a fixer-upper. They want a really beautiful place like what they've rented, you know, granite countertop, a full garden, bathroom, you know, master bath, it's palatial. They used to live in nice places. Well, if they can't buy, they'll just keep renting. They don't want to buy the fixer-uppers like I did when I first got into home buying, um, bought a $70,000 fixer-upper when you're repainting or you're pulling up carpet to see the hardwoods. You're putting in the elbow grease. Buyers today neither don't have time nor the want to, nor the skill set to do a lot of that themselves. And so we see them if they can't find what they want and the price that they can afford for the payment, they go back to be renters. And you're going to see much nicer apartments to rent because they know this too. Right. And there's so many coming online in Dallas for sure. Oh, sure. Well, you know, people want the full experience. So, I mean, do you want a little house that you're going to have to repair and fix it up? Or do you want to live in a beautiful place when you go home, have a gym, you've got a pool, you've got a spa, you've got workouts downstairs, you've got a, you know, a full game room, you've got a, a place to entertain people. It really is a different way of living. And we see that some of the first-time homebuyers would rather have all that than own. Owning to them is not as important as where they live. Yeah, it makes sense. My millennial daughter bought a house last year, and she's paying what she would have paid in rent. And she's made a lot of equity, but she does complain a lot. You know, mom, I don't feel young. Yeah. She's like, this is too much work. 
Well, I think everybody has a preconceived idea of what that means. And they don't want to have to work at their houses to build equity. They just think it should be pretty, you know, and that, and if they can't <laughs> afford pretty, they just don't really want to play the game. Yeah, it makes sense. So do you think that will change with more education or as they get older? No, I, I think we're <laughs> going to see a change. No, no, because, you know, nobody wants to be told their thinking is wrong. To them, their thinking is right. You know, these are the kids that haven't done chores. These are the kids that, you know, everything is given to them. So back in our day, if we had very wealthy parents, our parents may have given us the down payment money, but we did all the work on the house ourselves. People were more hands-on. We used to change our oil. Now nobody can do that. Nobody knows how. And the cars can't even do that either for most of the cars. So you're just seeing a real step back from putting elbow grease into it like we used to and to where I just want to buy pretty. They don't want to even repaint a house. Some of my first-time homebuyers, like, they can't see past the bad color on the walls. They're just like, nope, this isn't going to do. Well, you know, you could paint it. You could block out a wall. Nope, they don't even want to entertain the idea. They want to walk in and everything be ready so they don't have to do it themselves. Well, there must be, there's always those who follow the flip shows and, you know, like fixing. So I'm sure there's a small group, but you're saying in general, uh, the millennial millennial group wants it done. Very interesting. So overall, are you concerned that as interest rates rise, that we'll see a slowdown in housing? Anything like we saw 10 years ago? Or what are your thoughts? Well, I think we will because, see, there's a lot of people, especially loan officers that are in the business now, that have only been in a really low interest rate market. I mean, when I got into the business 20 years ago, rates were, you know, 8, 10%. So rates are still really good right now. A lot of younger people, they think it's not in the threes. I'm not going to buy it if it's not in the threes. Well, threes were a fluke thing. Nobody in their wildest dreams ever thought the interest rates would get down to the threes. So I think we've got some unrealistic expectations of what the market really does. And as a mortgage loan officer, I have to educate my buyers all the time. But I also realize that they want what they want because they want it. And purchasing doesn't always make sense. You know, you've seen people that rent or lease a car and it's an $800 car payment. Well, that's a house payment to me. And that's a house payment in some areas. They would rather have the fancy car than the equity. They still don't see the parallel between gaining wealth through owning real estate and renting. And so they're just payment driven. So I think we've got a whole bunch of people, you know, they have all these student loans that they may or may not be able to pay off. And so they're bent on payments. What is my payment for this? And so more than ever, we're seeing payment shock when people come in and they said, well, you know, you could always make more money. You could buy less house. Nope, nope. Uh, Less house is not going to be adequate for what I deserve. I want, you know, a $400,000 house. Well, then they said, well, how do I get the payments down? You just put down more money. Oh, don't have any more money to put down. Well, then these are going to be your payments. And they just, they don't understand basic economics, really. And so <laughs> it's my job to educate them. Yeah, it's really tough. You know, you, you've got two car payments that are $800 a piece. That's a house note. You could buy a cheaper car. Oh, no, 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 no. This is what I have to drive. Okay, well, then that's their choice. So they are renters. So we're going to see more people fall into that and be more renters if the first time entry home buyers is so high. Fascinating. Are you seeing other buyers, the Gen Xers or, or baby boomers? Or 
Well, you know, baby boomers are going the opposite direction right now. They have really overspent. They bigger, better. I need to have more toys. Credit was available to them. They didn't have the student loans. So, you know, I'm 54. So I'm kind of the end of the baby boomer age. I don't consider myself a boomer, but a lot of those people get bigger and bigger and bigger homes as they age and they end up using all their income tied up in their home. Well, as they age, they're figuring out, like I do a lot of reverse mortgages as well. They're figuring out that, you know, uh, their health is going to go. And once their health goes, they need more money now for health care. And that two-story house is not really good for them anymore because they can't go upstairs. So they end up downsizing. So we're in the kind of middle right now of this big surge, and we'll have more people going through reverse mortgages to free up money and also downsizing into something more affordable for whatever their affordability is. So some people just live on Social Security. They've gone through their pension or their 401k money, and they have to downsize to live within their means. Um, the baby boomers are one of the generations that didn't live within their means. They extended a lot of money on credit. And so they thought that would always keep going. I've got 80-year-old people with $40,000 in credit card debt. Wow. If they don't have the cash to buy it, they just put it on credit cards. Well, they're becoming 80 and 70 years old with, you know, they're carrying huge balances on their credit cards. And we're having to do reverse mortgages to get those numbers back in line. So a lot of it's ego. A lot of it is what they're used to. And a lot of it is their affordability when they were younger. So those people too are going to turn back into renters if they run out of money. Yeah, this always amazed me how wherever I go, and I travel a lot across the country, I'll go to a restaurant and it is just packed. And I think, you know, boy, back when, you know, when I was raising my family, we ate dinner at home and I made it. Sure. Yeah. You know, you see people going out and it just doesn't look like a lot of effort and, you know, staying home and saving your money. (laughs) They're, They're not, they're not bent on that right now. I have a lot of clients that are, you know, when you talk about millennials, they may be in their thirties, but they're having their babies later. So they may be mid thirties, late thirties when they're having their first children, they're going out to eat all the time. They're not saving money. That's a real concern for me. I have my friends, kids doing that. And it worries me. You know, I did their mortgages and they're pregnant with their second child and they go out to eat every night. Oh my gosh, that's $30 at least every single night and no one's cooking anymore. Mm-hmm. And so they're spending a ton of money and they're, they're going to regret that because they're going to tap out at what they can earn. I don't know. I just like to save more money. As a financial advisor, I'm risk averse. So I try to help people conserve their money and make it stretch longer. I had a a person today, we talked about long-term care and she said, Debbie, I don't want to hear any more about long-term care. Don't bring it up to me again. And I said, you know, most people need long-term care before they pass away. And she goes, Debbie, I'm going to die healthy. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, do you understand what you just said? Um, You know, most people don't die in their sleep. They go through some illness before they pass away and that depletes a lot of assets. So I just don't think we're prepared for the amount of money that we're going to have to spend. Well, looks like uh, looks like there's a lot of work ahead of us in educating, or people will just find out the hard way. That's the hardest part is when you see them find out the hard way, and they just have Social Security left. You know that was never supposed to be their sole income. That was just supposed to be a supplement, and that may not even be there. Right, right, right. But no, if you have investors, now's a great time to buy rental properties because you're going to have more people that are not going to be able to get mortgages. They're going to need to be renters, and they're going to want to rent nice homes. So I buy rental properties. I think everybody should. It's a good business. 
Certainly. Are you invested in which area of Texas? My daughter goes to TCU, so I'm buying a little house around TCU to fix that up so she can live in it and then keep it as a rental. My son is going to be going to Ole Miss next year, so I'm going to do the same thing in that area. If you stay around some areas that are the population isn't going away, these universities around the universities, that those kids are going to keep coming every single year, and they're going to need places to rent because most parents, it's going to take everything they have to get their kids through college. They don't have money to buy their renters. So that's what my plan is. And, you know, I live in College Station, which is home to Texas A&M, where probably a third of the mortgages that I do are investment properties here. Either people are buying properties ahead of their kids. So when their kids do come here to college, they have a paid for property. It's also good to buy around college towns where the colleges are secure and they're not going anywhere. And they have a, an instant new source of people coming in all the time. Those properties get paid off. And then actually, I mean, it's the easiest way to gain income and security is to have someone pay off your assets for you. And that's what renters do. So recently, I've been hearing some people say that some of those crazy loans are back, the stated income and low doc and NAGAM. There's a couple of them coming back out. They're slow to come to market right now. There's something called a bank statement loan. So if you provide us with bank statements with the money coming in and you have high enough credit, that's kind of like a no-doc loan. We're not asking for tax returns on there. Instead, we're going off of income coming into your account. So that's kind of one of those loans that's made its way back, only because there's a lot of people with good credit that are self-employed that write everything off and don't look it on paper, or they have a lot of rental properties. And, you know, with the new rules of the banking industry, you have to have six months principal interest, taxes, and insurance on every rental property. So some people have 20 rental properties. Well, they don't have enough liquid assets to fulfill that condition. So therefore, they can't buy any more properties, which is a real shame because if you've got a rental business where you buy lots of rental properties, it caps you on your income of what you can have based on how much cash you have available. That shouldn't be the case, but that's way the Fed changed things. And that's through the fallout of 2008, what's happened to everybody. So yes, the people that are investors putting people in homes for renters, they need to be buying more properties because they're the ones that are going to provide the places for us to live in the future. So it's unfortunate that they're capped right now. But with these new loans coming to market again, I think you're going to see that change a little bit. So a couple of them are coming back, not for bad credit people. There's nothing like that. But for the good credit people that just don't declare a lot on their tax returns, those loans are slowly coming back in. So you're saying right now it's still capped at 10 loans per person if you're buying investment property, but that there's some new loans that would allow you to go beyond the 10? Well, it's not so much beyond the 10, it's because not everybody puts your loans on the credit report. So a lot of people don't fit that boat anyway. If they get their money from a small community bank, not all those community banks report to the credit bureau. Oh, gotcha. So some can go unhidden. A lot of people don't put their investment properties on their tax return because hmm. they want to keep them hidden. But the rule is, if you come to me with four rental properties, I'm going to make sure you have cash reserves that's money in a 401k, an IRA, or cash in the bank of at least six months, principal interest, taxes, and insurance on every single property. That's a lot of cash that you have to have saved up. The lender is trying to keep you from going into default if your property doesn't stay rented. 
but I think they've gone to the extreme by having six months for each property. What are the chances of each property not having somebody rent at the exact same time? Right. Slim, you know, slim. So I think they're asking too much of our investors. And at the same time, they're not giving us any wiggle room. The rates are still high. So there are some people that can still go to community banks and get loans and not all of those loans show up on the credit report. And then I don't know about them. So you can, in essence, have a lot more than 10 mortgaged if they don't show up on your credit report. Got it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for this insight and for being here on The Real Well Show. Any last tips for our listeners who are maybe just starting out? I would just say the interest rates are going to move up three times at least next year. That's what they're earmarking. That's what we hear. And that's what the Fed has promised. With the economy going so well, I don't doubt that for a minute. So if you're in the mood to buy properties, buy now while interest rates are down. And I think if you wait till the spring, you're going to see more leeway of it being a buyer's market rather than a seller's market because the properties kind of sit there a little bit over the Christmas holidays. So I would say buy now. I'm buying now. I suggest buy now. Very good. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. You can listen to this in any past episodes at realwellshow.com.